Welcome to the St. Jose Maria Institute podcast. Did you know that listeners like you are helping to make these podcasts possible? Let us know that our podcasts are important to you by showing your support today. Visit stjosemaria.org slash give. Today on the podcast, Father Peter Armenio, a priest of Opus Dei, explains the Christian vocation using the example of salt and light. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. We continue this theme of identifying our calling with fruitfulness. Perhaps not the pragmatic American version of fruitfulness that takes the form of accomplishments or results or little successes. But the fruitfulness the Lord asks of us is that we replicate his heart, that we approach that impossible goal, but we could approach it to love as he has loved. Theme of today's readings as well. From the get-go, it doesn't seem like he gradually unfolds his vision, his first sermon, he spells out what a disciple is all about. How, what are the requirements of being a follower? He doesn't talk about little steps one must take. He gives images. And more than doing, he talks about being. You have to be. And he says that our presence automatically must change the environment. That's fruitfulness. From the get-go, he identifies vocation with fruitfulness. It's never strictly personal. It always involves others. And so he spells out his vision of being a follower. And as we look at it closely, it's a bit mind-boggling, his expectations. Because essentially, he tells us that we must be divine. A title that is exclusively applied to him and will put the Pharisees on edge, he applies it to 
his followers. It was very hard for the scribes and Pharisees to take this title he gave himself, I am the light of the world. He who walks with me does not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then he well, he happens to be the Messiah, so he could get away with saying something of that sort. It wasn't accepted. Now he says, well, his followers should have the same title. The same title as what's applied to him. You are the light of the world. He defines our vocation. And it's a big picture vocation. It's a big picture version, vision. In a way, it summarizes the October 2nd, 1928 event. What did St. Jose Maria see? As old as the gospel and as new as the gospel. He says the woman or the man in the thick of things in the middle of the world, is called to be salt and light. And you could almost make a case. Everybody's called to that. But you could almost make a case that that especially applies to those followers of Christ who are actually in the middle of the world. I found this quotation from early father of the church, of the Eastern Church, St. Gregory of Nunzianzas. St. Gregory will do. And he is preaching a homily. And it's interesting to note, well, this is the formation the Christians of the fourth century were receiving. This is what they heard. Here goes. Nothing gives such pleasure to God as the conversion and salvation of men and women, for whom his every word and every revelation exist. He wants you to become a living force for all mankind, lights shining in the world. You are to be radiant lights as you stand beside Christ, the great light, bathed in the glory of him who is the light of heaven. You are to enjoy more and more the pure and dazzling light of the Trinity, as now you have received though not in its fullness, a ray of its splendor proceeding from the one God in Christ Jesus our Lord, to whom glory be to whom be glory and power forever and ever. So it's the language of the 
early Christians. And I don't know if something of this stripe will be preached today. Hundreds of thousands of people will be going to Mass, I hope. But this is what strikes at the heart of our calling. It's all about touching the lives of others. Everything we do is not strictly personal, but always we need to have our mind and heart on the others, those closest to us and those whom we are dealing and those whom we do not know. But we're always thinking about evangelization, apostolate. I plagiarized this from, and I'm trying to remember, and I think I remember, I think it's St. Ambrose. And he comments on salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltness be restored? And the point made is that salt in itself, you don't, you don't just serve salt. Okay, you're going to have salt for lunch. Only salt. Okay. Uh, well, that would, we would find that ludicrous because the function of salt is to serve the food. And salt is glorified when it enhances the food. It touches. And it's a model of conversion. Salt converts bland food, whether it's pasta or steak or potatoes, it brings out what's best in the food. It brings out the flavor. And salt is glorified, if you will, the more it can touch the food. And it blends into the food. And it disappears in the food. And it touches the food, which is an image of charity, because charity is what transforms. Charity has that power. And our Lord is saying if it's intense enough, if it begins to reflect my very heart, it's going to have a transforming effect. And our Lord says, it's implied, and then he's, he gives two admonitions about salt. He says that it doesn't make sense just to have salt. That's what this writer was saying. That it doesn't have a function just to remain isolated salt. And my calling, what is my calling? My calling is always about the lives of others. 
And then our Lord says about that the salt can't lose its saltness. And what is that saltness? It's what St. Jose Maria teaches us. It is that overflow of the interior life. The interior life is what gives us that saltness. Salt is an image of charity. Charity exclusively comes through Jesus Christ. And that's why we hear that you can't, we should not ever write ourselves off saying, well, it's encouraging. It's a little bit of no-nonsense point in Forge. Uh, I forgot to bring it. And he says, you know, don't write yourself off or don't label yourself, well, I just don't have what it takes to have that heart of Christ. I don't know, I wasn't, I didn't grow up in a warm and fuzzy family, you know, or relationships was not emphasized when I was growing up, or I'm a private person, all these labels we could give ourselves. Or people don't like me. That's not true, but just in case. We think that way. People don't like me. Uh, I freeze up in a crowd. And St. Josemaria says, well, no, 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 no. Don't label yourself. Don't write yourself off. He says it's a function of piety. It's a sound bite, but the sound bite has a lot of theology in it. Why? Well, because what does piety do? Well, it, it, it inserts us into the life of our Lord. And when we're inserted into the life of our Lord through these deeds of piety, that love of Jesus, and that's the image St. Paul uses, kind of has a, a refueling image. The love of God is poured into your hearts by the Holy Spirit. And that's what the norms of piety do. It's refueling time. Just like you, know, you go to a gas station, you can't just take a few squirts of gasoline and expect that car to go. You've got to sit there and fill the tank. Same thing with these the acts of piety that comprise that, sp that plan of life. So I don't want that saltness to be lost. I remember Don Alvaro, Blessed Alvaro, in a get-together. It was a, a time of intense piety that characterizes his entire life, but it was especially poignant because he had a number of favors he was pursuing. The edification of our father, the extension of the work. As you know, he was under pressure by St. John Paul to extend first into Poland and then the rest of these 
satellite countries of the Soviet Union and to establish Opus Dei as a prelature. So big, he needed lots of favors and he was doing tons of praying. He was going on lots of pilgrimages. And uh, it would always be kind of a similar routine. People a little bit more daring would ask exactly what he was praying about on his pilgrimages. And he would respond, those are personal questions. You shouldn't ask personal questions, but some of these people were pretty daring, and they said, I know, but Father, please tell us anyway. Um, and, uh, well, he said, ah. Uh, and one of the answers he gave, I think probably more than once, well, if I wasn't thinking of my own personal sanctity. And that kind of caught the attention of everybody. Hmm. You weren't? Isn't that what we're supposed to do? Isn't this basic? And he kind of knew that it was kind of a, put a pregnant pause into the get-together. And he said, don't worry, he said. Um, I just think of the others, the people in the work, my daughters and sons, their friends, their families. And when I do that, I... I take care of my own personal sanctity. But I don't think about my own personal sanctity. I think about the needs of others, the, the needs of the ones I love, the needs of this supernatural family. It was a bit enlightening. You know, won't make the headlines, but enlightening that my piety, my devotions to Mary, my love for the Mass, my love for the Eucharist, my love for the Word of God, has that very holy ulterior motive of serving others, of witnessing Christ to others. It bears repeating in a Meditation given by the former father, Don Javier, at this workshop I attended. And he said, uh, Do you notice when you, uh, when you go through all the components of the plan of life at the circle? Everything is mentioned, but apostolate. And uh, I think collectively we said to ourselves, I never thought of that one, because, you know, the supernatural ki uh, kitchen sink is included. Order, cheerfulness, work, study, you know, you name it, it's there. You know, it's hard to come up with something else. It's, it's exhaustive. And even devotions that you never knew that were devotions. I never knew that order was a devotion. Um, but no mention of apostle. That's true. And then the father was saying, well, it's 
seems like something basic was missed. And he said, there's a, there's a reason why it's not included. And uh, everybody's waiting. What's the reason? We're going to learn something new here. And he says, because that's your calling. That's your, that's your vocation. Apostolate, evangelization. And these are means to live this out. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hid. Now our Lord, he previously uses earth, now world. So we know he wants his followers to keep their eye on the little picture, one eye on the little picture, their own local witnessing and apostolate, and the other eye on the whole world. The collective calling we all have is to bring our Lord to every corner of the world that was mapped out. And our vocation to the work is a very special reiteration of that call. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hid. How do we hide it? Similar to the salt. By being too individualistic about our, our sanctity. And when we give direction to others as well, you know, many times very good people, and you know, we, we could easily do the same thing. Well, how are we living our Christian vocation? Well, I'm doing this devotion, I'm doing that devotion, I'm doing this warm. And it may be the case that, you know, someone is really on top of her game. But if there's no mention of relationships, something basic is missing. Our Lord did not say, you're called to do devotions. And when people are looking for guidance or direction, and they limit the report of how they're doing to whether they did devotions or not, something's missing. When deeds of charity, leading people to Christ, is not included. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. Nor do men light a lamp and put it under a bushel. But on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So just like the salt, how does, he, how does light and salt lose their effectiveness? Well, if salt is just kept in the, in a, in the cupboard and not used to enhance the taste of food, or that the salt loses its saltness. So our Lord is giving two ways that the effectiveness of salt could be lost and the effectiveness of light. 
The effectiveness of light is that you put it under a bushel. It's isolated. It's only devotions. The light's on, but it's not in contact with the dark environment. Or there's no connection with the power source. So our Lord is saying relationships with others and interior life. We read in Christ is passing by, we must, each of us, be alter Christus, ipse Christus, another Christ, Christ himself. Only in this way can we set about this great undertaking, this immense, unending task of sanctifying all temporal structures from within, bringing to them the leaven of redemption. Completely different homily in Friends of God. In order to bring peace, genuine peace to souls, in order to transform the earth and to seek God our Lord in the world and through the things of the world, personal sanctity is indispensable. When you, when Lord, you use this image of light, you're calling me light. It comes across as an inordinate stretch, an exaggeration. And let's take the liberty to put words in our Lord's mouth. Of course, on your own, this is an absurdity that you're light of the world. You're just an ordinary mortal. But when you're connected with me through the interior life, through the bread, the Eucharist, and contemplative life, the Word. I shine through you, albeit you're a vessel of clay, as the Holy Spirit describes the followers of our Lord through St. Paul's writings. But my light will shine through you, just like a light fixture as good as that light fixture is, it could be the state-of-the-art light fixture with special filaments, and etc. But if you don't plug it in, if it's not connected to that power source, as good as that light fixture is, there's no light. And the power source is that heart of Christ, is the spiritual life. Well, I, we turn our attention to the shortcut into that heart of Jesus. Remember, Blessed Alvaro insisting on that and in a get-together speaking in Spanish and a little bit concerned that I didn't understand the Spanish when he said Our Lady was a shortcut, so... I have a special memory of Our Lady being a shortcut. And he stopped his get-together and created a little bit of a scene because the translator had a kind of crawl through the crowd and translate for me. And then he kept 
looking at me and he said, do you, got, do you, have, do you, do you know what that word means now? And I said, yeah, I do. Good, let's, let's continue. So anyway, she's that shortcut. Let's go to her. Mary, convert me to that image with that healthy, humble superiority complex because I, I count on you that I am the light of the world provided that I keep uniting my life to your son's life. Mary, pray for us. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help in putting them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Thank you for listening to the St. Jose Maria Institute podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please leave a rating or review on iTunes. For more resources and podcasts like this one, go to stjosemaria.org. That is stjosemaria.org.